you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. To welcome them to the house of the Lord today. Amen. We're glad you're here. Matthew chapter 6 and James chapter 1. We're going to get into the word of the Lord this morning. Matthew chapter 6. And James chapter 1. Say amen when you have it. Matthew 6 verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And I know the word mammon there is speaking of the love of money. I'm not going to talk to you about money today. James chapter 1, verse number 8. A double-minded man is unstable in a few of his ways in all of his ways. I want to talk to you today about the power of a made-up mind. The power of a made-up mind. Lord, we need your help today. The task that is set before us today, Lord, is has divine consequences and eternal consequences. And today, Lord, I pray your spirit and your power and your anointing rest upon your messenger and upon the hearts and the minds of the hearers in this room today. Lord, let your spirit move upon each in this room today and let the creative power of your spirit mold us and shape us and make us what you would have us to become and to be. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, God bless you today. You can be seated. There is perhaps nothing more powerful than a final decision, a made-up mind. Indecision Somebody said indecision is a decision. It's a decision to not make a decision. The power of a decision will shape the future. The 
power of a decision will get things done. If someone spends their whole life thinking about what they should do, may do, coulda, shoulda, woulda, it seems that they don't get too far in life. Anybody in here know anybody that's kind of stubborn when it comes to having a made-up mind? My wife is the only one that raised her hand. I'm guessing, I'm only guessing that she was probably referring to, to her first husband. That would be me. I get it honestly. I know nobody on this planet that when they had their mind made up was any more sure about their decision and would stand by it than my late mother. You could talk all day and you were wasting your time. You were wasting your voice. Her decision was made. It was final. That's not always, there's some, there's some things there's some things in life maybe that we need to reconsider. But when it comes to serving God, we need to have a made-up mind. And I, I want to speak to some today that may be in the room that have been caught in the middle of indecision of, well, I kind of want to keep a connection with God and the church, and I kind of want to keep my connection with the world and the things of the world. I, I don't want to make final decisions. I don't want to make life-altering decisions. That life is a powerless life. There's a lot of folks that suffer from inconsistency. It appears that inconsistency runs rampant in our society, in the world in which we live. Maybe it's human nature and maybe it's been around for a very long time, but inconsistency and unstableness and indecision Double-mindedness is the word the Bible uses here. It is, it is something that seems to be following generations and progressively getting worse where people are more and more indecisive. The more I learn about the use of social media, uh, texting, and sometimes it's the easy way to be misunderstood. How many of you know that's true? I've learned there's certain friends of mine that I will not text important questions to because they hold me hostage. And I hate to be held hostage. If I ask a, uh, ask a question, I usually have a reason for asking the question. If I ask the question the second time, I have an important reason for asking the question. And if I ask the third or the fourth time, 
It's because I'm getting desperate. And when I get, I don't know, I, I, I don't know, I'm not sure. I'm, we'll, you know, I don't know, I'll decide, I'll, I'll figure it out. I, I've learned that, that uh, some people live their life in a, in a their, their natural response is a response of indecision. You know anybody like that? You don't have to raise your hand, you may be sitting by them. Indecision. They hold the whole world hostage, so they think. Indecision. I don't know. I may. It's indecisive words and indecisive actions in life that one can't put their feet on the ground, make a decision, and say, I'm going to own this decision. I'm going to live by this decision. I've prayed about it. I've thought about it. I've considered it. I feel good about it, and I've made a decision. Sometimes making a decision, well, always making a decision is the first step in your success. In the world that we live today, it's become perhaps, I don't know that I would call it a generational curse. Some argue with the fact if there's such a thing, I think there may be. But it's become a generational thing the idea of, of, of indecision. I've, I've learned that sometimes there's, there's certain people, some of my friends, I'm not talking about you, some of my friends outside of the church that I may be asking a decision, hey, would you like to do such and such? And I know better than to text that question. Because if I text that question, they, they'll wait and make 14 calls to all their other friends to see if they've got a better opportunity before they finally will text me back and give me an answer of what they're going to do. They're always looking at what's, what's best for them. And so I've learned, well, I'm not going to get an answer. Some people I know I'm not going to get an answer if I, I, can, call, I can call them and, and say, hey, I'm making a decision and I needed to know. I wanted to call you. And if they're like, well, I don't know. When do you need to know by? I need to know now. That's why I called you. That's why I asked. I need to know now. Well, can I get back with you? Oh, no. They live in indecision. They live in indecision. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable, James chapter 1 verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. My point that I'm making in laying the foundation of what I want to speak to you today about is that when we see these type of inconsistencies in the small things of life, we normally see the same inconsistencies in the broader spectrum of life. They're inconsistent here, they're inconsistent everywhere. A weakness here is a weakness in a more broad spectrum of life. We have to make up our mind and choose where we are and where we are going to stand. The people in the prophet's day couldn't make a decision on what they were going to do. And the prophet had to stand before the people and say, how long Halt ye between two opinions. Which brings to the fact 
brings to fact the idea that perhaps this isn't something that is just a recent modern generational idea of indecision. Perhaps it is a human nature issue. It is an issue that people have struggled with for a very long time, maybe even from the beginning. The prophet asked them, how long halt ye between two opinions? And then he put the real test out and he said to them, if God be God, then serve him. And if Baal be God, then why don't you serve him? But stop living in indecision. Baal, of course, was idolatry, idolatry, idol worship. And of course, Jehovah God being the God that we serve, being the one true and living God. And he said, you people are caught up in the middle of, of, of indecision. And sometimes our indecision can move into the hearts and minds of our children and we pass it on and we keep passing this idea on of indecision. The writer wrote a song many years ago and we used to sing it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I like that. Somebody needs to make up in their mind that they are going to put their feet on the ground and stop vacillating between whether I'm going to live for God or whether I'm not going to live for God. Somebody needs to make a decision. Somebody needs to put their feet on the ground and, and plant their self in, in, in a solid foundation and declare, I'm going to serve Jesus. And the writer of that song, he said it so eloquently because he said, I'll not turn back. I'll not turn back. Somebody needs to make up their mind today that, hey, I'm tired of living a life of of, of wondering what, what I'm going to do tomorrow or next week or next month. Somebody needs to make a decision. I'm going to serve the Lord. I will not be unstable. I will not be double-minded. But I am choosing today who I will serve. I'm going to tell you the power of a decision of a made-up mind when it comes to serving God will change your life, change your family's life. You may start serving God and some of your friends snicker and say, well, I wonder how long that's going to last. Your family may look at you and say, well, they're just on another little life's tangent. I wonder how long they're going to really stand by it. But I'm telling you, when you put your feet on the ground, make up your mind, look the enemy in the eye and say, I'm serving God come what may. I'm not looking to the left or to the right, but I've made a decision and I will not turn back after a while that family, those friends those people that look to you will say wow they made up their mind. Somebody needs to reference a point in your life where you say I made a decision a long time ago I'm not turning around we'll either live a life of sin or you will live a life for the Lord we must love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. We live in a constant warfare. This is why I believe that this is a, 
age-old issue with human nature. It is the battle of good against evil, evil against good, or we put it in these terms, flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The Apostle Paul used these terms and he talks about it in these terms. We can go and see a thread through the whole entire scripture. If we go to the book of Genesis and the book of beginnings, the 32nd chapter, verse 24, the Bible gives us a story about a man named Jacob and Jacob was alone and he wrestled. The Bible said he wrestled there with a man and uh, some say he wrestled with an angel. Uh, Jacob was wrestling. The issue is the man that Jacob wrestled with may not have been some uh, supernatural creature. It may not have been uh, a physical being. Uh, there, there's a few things that, lean, that lend us to thinking that perhaps Jacob literally wrestled there with an angel and, and, and maybe, maybe he was overcome. Jacob makes the famous term, I, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. But that great battle that Jacob fought may well have been or maybe the angel of the Lord came for the purpose of, of, of wrestling with Jacob so that he could come to a realization. The Bible says Jacob wrestled with an angel and it also says he wrestled with a man. And, and, and I don't believe that the Bible ever con, uh, contradicts itself. Was, some say, well, was it an angel or was it a man? Maybe it was both. Maybe there was a, a wrestling match that go on. I don't know about you, but there's been many times that, that, that your pastor has wrestled with a man. I've wrestled with a man. I've laid in my bed at night and wrestled with a man. No, not another man. It's this man. I've wrestled in my mind. I've wrestled in my spirit. I've wrestled with my own thoughts. I've wrestled with my own decisions. I've wrestled with my own actions. And I've, I've, I've allowed myself to become frustrated and caught up in the wrestling match of, of my mind. The greatest battle. Someone said the greatest battle. You will ever fight is the battle you fight between your ears that may well be true I want you to know today that 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 you 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 will wrestle there's going to be wrestling when we look at the story in the book of Genesis of Jacob wrestling uh, if I look at the at Jacob's very name Jacob's name means supplanter or rascal if if I say it right Jacob was a rascal he was something else you may put it in that term Jacob was he was a he was indifferent he was a supplanter he was a he was a rascal and the Bible said that he wrestled all night with with the angel of the Lord and he made a decision that I won't let you go until you bless me whether it was a physical wrestling or whether it was whether it was a a literal wrestling I, I know not I've wrestled I've wrestled the night through I've wrestled the night through in my own mind can I get a witness tonight? Anybody in the house know what I'm talking about today? You've wrestled the night through and you wake up the next morning and you're weary and you're tired and you have not rested.
exhausted and, and you feel like you need to go back to bed and go back to sleep because you wrestled with a man all night. You wrestled in your heart. You wrestled in your spirit. You were struggling between a decision. You wake up and you're thinking about, my goodness, what, what direction am I going to go? But the Bible says that before Jacob went, got through, before morning came, as he was wrestling with the angel, the, the angel finally blesses him and touches the hollow of his thigh so that his, he, he was marked and he walked with a limp from there forward. In other words, everything from that point forward was changed in Jacob's life. Even his very walk became, became a, a reference point back to the moment that, that, that there was a final decision, a blessing made in his life, but it didn't end there because Jacob's name was changed. And the rascal and the supplanter and the one that was full of, of, of old Nick, as my wife likes to say. Uh, I don't know what that means, but maybe Sister Carla, she knew your Nick. I don't know. Uh, uh, I don't know. The, she, said, she says full of old Nick. Whatever it may be, the rascal Jacob was, the supplanter that Jacob was, wrestled the night through. But before morning breaks, he gets a name changed, and his name changes and now his name is no longer supplanter it's no longer Jacob but now it becomes Israel and it means the it means prince and power with God there was a decision made in the man Jacob's mind throughout the night that changed his name it changed his outlook and his future because the name was important in that day if you were named a supplanter you were destined to become a supplanter but if you were named to have power with God you would walk in power with God I wish somebody today would understand that Jacob walked from that place forward with a limp with a daily reminder of the night there was a decision made in his life hey it's Sunday morning somebody you may have walked in here with a reputation of what you were in the past but you can make a decision today and the power power of that decision. People will know you differently than they've ever known you before. They'll talk about you differently. Your walk will be different. Everything about you gotta make up your mind. I'm not going to live my life hearing the voices of my critics tell me who I am and what I'm going to be but I'm going to get alone with God and I'm going to spend some time with God and I'm going to grab a hold of him this morning and cling to him and say I'm not letting you go I'm not letting you go I'm not letting you go until you change some things in my life I'm going to walk out of here differently I'm going to walk out of here blessed I'm going to walk out of here with a new name I'm going to walk out of here with a new future Every man has within him the ability to be his best or to be his worst. To be a Jacob or to be an Israel. I mentioned earlier that the Apostle Paul bears out this struggle that we have in this flesh. In Romans chapter 7 verse 15 he said for... That which I do, I allow not. For what I would do, 
I do not. But that I hate, that I do. Almost sounds like a riddle, right? It's real simple. He said, I make up my mind that I'm going to do something, but I end up not doing what I said I was going to do. And then I make up my mind I'm not going to do something, and I end up doing exactly what I said I would not do. He goes on through this whole thing, and he ends that rendition of talking about the struggle. And he finally he says this, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? What he is saying is he's not, he's not worried about death in of itself because he says death has nothing except through this body. He begins to talk about the flesh that he is carrying around. And he's saying this flesh is killing me. This flesh is somehow I've got to get over this body. Somehow I've got to get beyond it. He says in the 21st chapter, in the 21st verse, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. Anybody recognize what I'm saying today? It doesn't matter how holy and righteous you think you are. The day you think that evil is not present with this flesh. The day that you think that evil no longer walks with this flesh. As a matter of fact, he, the, the scripture talks about a man's heart. And he says evil is present in a man's heart continually. Oh, uh -uh, not me, pastor. I'm saved, sanctified, set free on my way to heaven. Yeah, and you still walk in the flesh and you still have a fleshly heart that has some evil thoughts and some evil ways. Oh, not me. Hey, don't get all self-righteous on me this morning because I'm going to tell you the Bible said all we like sheep have gone astray. We all have fallen to the flesh. We all have had a bad thought in our mind. We have all had a wrong action in our life. But I tell you today that if you have made up in your mind you don't live in that bad thought you don't live in that evil deed you get up from where you are shake the dust off and declare I'm going on with Jesus I may have failed God a few times but I've made up my mind I'm not going to quit and not going to lay down and not going to sit down but I'm going to get back up and keep on keeping on the power of a made up mind will cause you to get up when you've fallen. The power of a made up mind will cause you to walk when you don't feel like walking, to run when you don't feel like running, to get up on Sunday morning and walk into the church when you would have felt better to have stayed home. But a made up mind says I'm not going to allow this flesh to dictate my future. I've decided to follow Jesus and I won't turn back. Anybody made up their mind today? I'm going to bring you four or five areas of self-examination before I wrap this up this morning. I'll, I'll try to keep my thoughts somewhat brief. I want to bring you four or five areas of self-examination this morning. Because we all, this is, a, this is not a, this is not a saint struggle or a sinner struggle. This is a flesh struggle. This indecision thing we all struggle with. You may be stubborn and hard-headed, but we all still have the same struggle. I want to bring you four or five areas of self-examination. I, I just want you to think about how you feel and how you fit 
into the categories that I'm going to mention to you this morning. And this is not an all-inclusive list. This is, a, this is just a short list that I put together to bring to you this morning because I, I just want to help us consider where we are. We have to have singleness of heart. The Bible is emphatic, emphatic that God hates a divided heart. In 1 Samuel, the seventh chapter, Samuel speaks to all the house of Israel saying, if you do return unto the Lord with all of your hearts and put away the strange gods. Do you see that? Can I get that on the, the screen? Maybe 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. I want to run through some scriptures. And, and uh, uh, Shauna, is that you back there hidden behind that screen? You're so short I can hardly see you. And I'm so blind without my glasses I couldn't see you. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 3. Samuel speaks to all the house of Israel. And he said, if you will, return unto the Lord with, what does it say? What? what? All. See, there's a problem. There's a divided heart. You see it? If you'll return unto the Lord with all of your heart. Stop living with a divided heart, he's declaring unto them. When you do this, you'll put away your strange gods. In other words, you're, you're, here, here's the battle of Israel. Whether God's God or whether they're going to worship idols. And he's, he's pointing these things out. Put away the strange gods that are among you. And serve him only. He's, he's, he's dealing with the fact that we get caught up in serving all sorts of things. We serve our education. We serve our agendas. We serve evil motives. We serve, we serve, our, we serve our flesh. He said, if you'll serve him only, he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines, which was their enemy. It's representative of their enemy. Understand that everything, all of these stories, all of these stories have a, have a typology that will roll back to the modern day church to see where we are. And so you can just take out a name and put in another name and it would be fitting to where we are today because the Philistine were the enemies. And so what he is saying, how this is applicable to you and I, is if we will put away our divided hearts, if we'll stop with all of our divided hearts and put away our strange gods. See, there's a lot of things. Well, Pastor, I don't have any idols in my house. Stop. We probably all have a lot of idols in our house. Because our hobbies can become our idol. Mm. We can have all kind of idols. I don't play much golf. I play a little bit of golf. I hope to play more. My wife's wanting me to play more. She got me a, for Christmas this year, she got me a little, uh, a little golf package so I can go and play golf. I need to pick it back up. My back may be strong enough. I'm going to try to play a little golf. 
And nothing wrong with golf. There's some golf players here in the church. Maybe we'll get out and get to play together this year when the, when the weather changes in, in July or August when it finally becomes summertime again. There's nothing wrong with golf as long as I keep golf in golf's place. Anybody with me this morning? There's nothing wrong with golf. I like to fish. I don't fish as much as Dylan does. He likes to fish. He gets, he's had a little more time than I have. There's nothing wrong with fishing as long as I keep fishing in its own place. But if I start getting up every morning and all I want to do is play golf and all I think about is golf and I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm giving up my prayer time for golf and I'm giving up my, 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 my study time for golf and I'm giving up my, my family time for golf and I'm giving up, I, I can't show up to work day because I got to play golf. And I, it, when it begins to take over before long, instead of worshiping God, I start worshiping golf. Now, I'm not preaching against golf this morning. I hope you're very clear on that. I, I'm trying to help you understand that we all, it doesn't matter your hobby. You, you can have a hobby. Maybe some of you like underwater basket weaving. Maybe that's your thing. There's nothing wrong with it. Keep trying it. Be careful. It doesn't matter what you enjoy. And, and, and enjoy it. God has put us in this, in, in this world. We, we can enjoy these things, but we can make anything our God. I can make money my God. As a matter of fact, there is so much spoken about in the scripture and our text this morning that used the word mammon. It's talking about the love of money in, in the role of we put money ahead of everything else in life and we idolize it to the point, to get that word there, idolize it. In other words, it becomes an idol in our life and, and it becomes our God. We start, hey, I, I, man, it's money. I got Church doesn't matter. I, I got an opportunity to make money. Serving God, my family doesn't matter, nothing matters. All it's about money, 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 until money becomes my God or my hobby becomes my God or whatever it is in my life becomes my God. We've got to put away a divided heart and say, first and foremost, he is the center of my life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. When you make God first and you put away all the strange gods, I'm not going to make anything in my life a God except Jehovah. He is my God. We've got to have singleness of heart. And your heart is connected to the things you treasure. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you treasure the things of God? Or do you treasure other things above the things of God. It's a matter of priority here. This is what the scripture's talking about. Am, am I okay this morning? I'm kind of, I just want to pull a few things out here. It's a matter of priority. It's serving God and there is a priority. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. That's why I believe it is important that we are faithful to God in our financial giving because where we put our treasure, our heart will follow. The treasure doesn't follow the heart. The heart follows the treasure. Well, I'll stop meddling. Let's move along. The second thing is we, we need singleness of vision. Singleness of vision. And I'm not talking about 
I'm not talking about church vision here and where we're going as a church and saying, man, pastor, I'm behind you. But I'm talking about personal, personal vision. What, what you, what is your vision for your life and your future? Where do you see God taking you? Where do you see your prayer life growing to? Where do you see your personal study life growing to? What do you see yourself becoming in the kingdom of God? What is your vision? We need singleness of vision. Double vision is a very dangerous, dangerous thing. Double vision is a type of blindness that causes people, it, it, it causes people to live life out of focus. It's, it's a type of blindness that changes people's perspective. And double, double vision is, is a type of blindness that completely wipes out depth perception. You can't, you can't judge distance well. I'm, I'm not an optom optometrist, but I, I just studied a few things about, about double vision and, and what it does. See, and there's so much that types to, to our walk with the Lord because people who live, who, who have a double vision, and it's, well, this is what I want to do for God, and then I've got this other life I want to live over here. It doesn't work that way. That's double vision. You can't say, well, this is my God life, and this is, this is, so somebody said to me one time, well, this is what we do, this is my church and God life, and then we have this other life. It'll never work. It's double vision. And the point is, the point is, is you lose depth perception, and you start thinking that you've got your whole life to live, and, you, and you're just going to, and then before long, you get at the end of the road and wonder why your kids are lost, your family's lost, everything, because you thought, because you, you didn't have a perception. You've got to start now. You've got to start when your babies are little. You've got to raise those babies up in the truth, not just at church on Sunday, but in the home. Double vision will never work. They've got to see it, and believe me, they see it. They'll pick it up. They, they read it they know it they see it in you you can't be one thing on Sunday morning and say hey kids that's how you're supposed to live but we're going to live like this Monday through Saturday it doesn't work it'll never work for you you've got to lose double vision you've got to gain you need to put on you need to pray a prayer and say God anoint my eyes with eyesight that I may be able to see we need to get away from double vision and get a singleness of vision and say as for me and my house we're going to serve the Lord on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday we're going to serve the Lord with our whole heart. It's no, there is no what we do today. There is no church life and then another life. We, are, we have one life and it is it's totally devoted to the Lord. A single vision of what my family and my life and where we are going. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. The third thing is having singleness of thought. In this, this becomes the struggle of the mind. Keeping the thought under control. This is a battle for me. I know all of you folks out here, I've talked to some of you and, and you... 
I'm sure you have this battle conquered. But for me, I, I struggle here because if I'm not careful, I'll let my mind rest in idle and wonder in the wrong direction. I will let worry control my thoughts if I'm not careful. I know none of you, I'm sure none of you have ever let worry control your life or, or maybe let fear control your life. I know none of you probably have that, but, but I'm, I'm just going to talk about the, the few of us that may struggle we, we need singleness of thought. The Bible speaks clearly about where we allow our mind to idle, where we allow our mind to rest. When your mind is in idle, what are you thinking on? What is the thought when your mind is, is when, when, when you're not intentionally, I'm not talking about when you're sitting down and you've got the scripture right in front of you and, 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 and I, know, I know your thought is there, but what about when you, when you, take a step back and you take a deep breath. Where does your mind idle? Where are you allowing your thoughts? Here comes the heart of where our motives and intentions really are, are birthed out of. Is our thought about climbing the ladder, the social ladder, the, the economic ladder? Where, where is our thoughts? What, what are we pushing for? What is, what is it that we're trying to do. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, the, the, the writer says, My, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true and whatsoever things are honest and whatsoever things are just and whatsoever things are pure and whatsoever things are lovely and whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. He is saying there is a control factor in your mind. You must make a, an intention. Does your mind ever wonder? Of course, all of us does. But it's where you allow your mind to rest. You cannot allow your mind to rest on things, hurtful things in your life. If you allow your mind to rest on those hurtful things, before long you'll become vengeful. You allow your mind to rest on that person that said something about you, before long you'll become bitter. You allow your mind to rest on what happened in your life, you'll become angry. So you've got to control those thoughts and when you catch yourself idling your mind on the hurt, idling your mind on the pain, idling your mind on the affliction, idling your mind on whatever is, is evil, on whatever is bad, the apostle says, brethren, if there be praise in it and if there be virtue in it, think on those things. Take your mind back. Take control of your mind. Somebody ought to look at your neighbor this morning and tell them take control of your mind nobody owns your mind they may they may own you you may have an employer that may be difficult to work for but they don't own your mind you've got to own your mind look back at your neighbor and tell them own your own mind you've got to own your thoughts you've got to control your thoughts you've got to stop allowing your thoughts to to rest in areas that they should not rest you must you must you must take control of of your thoughts. I've got to go and I've got to close this morning. But finally, and I close with this, we must have singleness of desires and action. Now, I talked about your thought. It begins with your thought, and it's rooted in your desire, and it will come out in your actions.
motivations, our motives and our intentions will be revealed in our actions eventually. You may say, oh no, I've got this motive and nobody knows. I've got this intention and nobody knows. Eventually, eventually we will know. Eventually they will find out. Eventually it will. How, how will you know, pastor? How will you know? How's it eventually going to come out? Because the Bible's not wrong. And eventually your words are going to betray you. Eventually your words are, because it says from the abundance of the, the, the heart, it's talking about your thoughts, your mind, and from the abundance of your heart, your, your mouth begins to speak. And when you begin to speak those words, your actions will begin to follow. Eventually, you will act out whatever you are thinking. This is why it is important for us not to live double-minded. It is important that we make a decision today. There is power. You can direct your future by making a decision today mm, I know I preached a while and lost some of you in the middle of this today but if you'll give me about three more minutes we'll go home the music can prepare right now but eventually what you think what your thought process is will eventually be, be, be acted out in your life that's why it is important to pay attention to what we are feeding our mind our thought will eventually become our action. Your thought will eventually be acted out in your day-to-day -day life. What we want the most is what we will work for the hardest. It's where we eventually, eventually are going. It will eventually be revealed. The, the writer says in Colossians, he says it like this, set your affections on things that are above. Everybody say your actions. Set your affections. That's your heart, your motives. Your Oh, that's just what I love. Set your affections on things that are above. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. Sister Shana, set your affections on things that are above, not on things of the earth. It's talking about what we fall in love with. We need to fall in love with the things of God, with the things of heaven, with the things of righteousness. Fall in love with them, not on the things of this earth, because there is a war that goes on in every one of us. There's a war in our mind. There's a war for our thoughts. There's a war for our actions. There's a war in this flesh, the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. But we can't live in this double-minded, double vision, double motive. We've got to get our mind made up, put our feet on the ground and say, my future is going to follow this decision. And I'm making up in my mind, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live come what may. I'm going to live for God. Trouble comes, I'm living for God. You don't have to ask me when I'm going through trial whether I'm going to serve God I've made up my mind I've made up my decision I'm serving the Lord in the, through the storm through the night in the midst of the rain I'm serving the Lord on the good days and on the bad days I'm serving the Lord come on somebody needs to make up their mind today I'm serving the Lord I'm not turning around I'm not looking back I'm not looking to the left or to the right but I've made up my mind and there is power in that made up mind this morning. It'll direct your future. It'll affect your family. It'll affect your destiny. It'll affect your eternal life. Everything will be wrapped around the decision you make today. Somebody in this house needs to make that decision right now. If you're not sure that you're sure, you need to decide it right now in the name of Jesus. I'm determined. I'm going to serve
serve the Lord today. I'm tired of people questioning where I stand. I'm going to make up my mind and serve him today. All over this room, would you lift your hands toward heaven and would you begin to talk to the Lord? Would you begin to commit that to him right now from right where you are? Would you just talk to the Lord today? Would you just reach to him today? Would you talk to him this morning? Maybe somebody wants to step out in the aisle. Maybe somebody wants to make their way to the front of the room today and just declare, I've decided. I've decided. It's determined. I've made up my mind. There is power in this decision today. There's power in this decision today. And the devil's had my thoughts long enough. The enemy's had my actions long enough. I've made up my mind. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Hey! 